You're listening to The Private Citizen, a podcast for critical thinkers. This is episode 152 for Thursday, the 20th of April, 2023. The Discord Leaks. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Fab. I'm your host. I'm coming to you from Düsseldorf in Germany, where uh, spring has sprung. Um, it's nice to have you here. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. I hope you are well. And um, yeah, today I'm bringing you um, what will hopefully be one of two episodes this week. At least that's the plan. And we will be talking about the Discord leaks or the Pentagon leaker um, Jack Teixeira. I hope that's how I pronounced that correctly. Um, and uh, yes, what it means, um, what has happened, uh, what it means for journalism, which I think is most important. Um, I'm going to address a little bit what's in the leaks or rather why I really don't feel up to talking about that. And then I'm, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, them calling it the Discord leaks and, and blaming Discord and, and what's coming. Um, that's what you in for today. So settle in, uh, grab yourself a drink. Um, you know, alcoholic, if you if you please. I'm having a beer, but if you're like you might be in the car, you know, shit like that, then 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 probably not. I'm still gonna gonna subject you to this <laughs> to the pouring sound. Um, yes. So that's that's uh, what we'll be talking about today. Just very quickly, I'm not not doing this live. I am once again um, in the middle of a lot of things. I'm. If you want to picture me, I'm in my home office late at night. I'm um, I'm covered up to my neck in paperwork that I'm need to do, um, and uh, I'm also uh, preparing um, to go on another trip. Uh, to travel a little bit so um there won't be a show next week um i'll i'll do some 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 work trips i'll do some it'll be for fun it'll be for work it'll be like my life it's kind of mixed up there's two sabaton concerts in there <laughs> then i'm seeing i'm gonna visit some friends in copenhagen um it's hopefully gonna be fun but i won't be there next week to do shows so the plan is to do two episodes this week um, to kind of tide you over, probably another one tomorrow, but I won't promise anything because it might not happen. But you're used to that by now. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with me. Um, so uh, without further ado, let's get into the story, shall we? So you want to follow along? Please go to privatecitizen.press as usual. Uh, got links in the show notes. This time it's really only one link because I wrote um, in my newsletter, uh, which is called The Sleepy Fox, uh, I wrote about this story uh, the other day. And that has a, you know, a lot more information in there. Some of it I probably won't get in into on this episode. So if you want more details, you can go there. Um, there's also a lot of links in there. A lot of background information. Um, and yeah, you can just take it from there. I didn't just I just didn't want to copy the content, you know, on the 
on the podcast site again. So I thought I got everything there. So you can just click through if you want to. Or you can just listen to the show. I'm going to try to kind of, um, you know, because I kind of laid it out um, in my in my brain to write the article. I often do this. I mean, you might have noticed this. I, I write some things and then I got laid out in my brain and I'm like, I might as well talk about it on the podcast. Um, so I'm going to start you off with a little bit. I'm going to paint a picture, which is also how I started my article. So I'm kind of stealing from myself here. But, you know, um, so it's think back to the good old times, right? This is now at this point more than 50 years ago, which is hard to believe. This is way before I was born. Uh, the year is uh, 1971. And um, there's a guy called Daniel Ellsberg who's worked at the uh, Pentagon. He's worked at the Rand Corporation, you know, military industrial complex, I guess. And um, he has um, uh, worked on some documents, you know, uh, that, uh, that, he's, that he's had a hand in preparing that kind of um, for the people in the uh, American government and in, in the military kind of explains or... Um, lays out the Vietnam War, um, which at this point uh, has been going on for quite some time. And um, so basically, uh, Daniel Ellsberg being inside, being an insider, being inside the government, inside the military, having a security clearance and all of that, um, knows that um, the for basically since the war began, um, the uh, the military um, I mean, basically the American government has lied to its people. The military really, I guess, has as well, but like it's not their job to inform the people. But, you know, the government knows that the military knows that they can't really win this war. There are two things, basically, if you want to encapsulate the Pentagon Papers as this publication. So Ellsberg went to the press, right? And, and this publication was then called the Pentagon Papers. And if you want to encapsulate that, and in these knocked over my tankard of beer by the way just just caught it um if you want to encapsulate that uh in, in there's basically two points um the 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 military kind of was almost known from the beginning that they can't win this war and the longer the war's been going on and it's you know dragging out and it's almost been going for 20 years um the the more it becomes clear that they can't win this war so that's one thing the government has basically lied to the American voters and you know the the public about. And the other thing is the the uh, the motivations for going to war, um, which were very realpolitik. Um, you know they were basically concerned with uh, China uh, being a communist state and c trying to contain China because you know um, at the time. In the 60s, um, the Americans had the problem that, you know, communism, I mean, there's this, you know, obviously uh, Lenin had this idea, um, or, you know, Lenin, Marx and Engels um, postulated that communism would spread all over the world. So um, Lenin said about enforcing this in the U.S., you know, uh, in, the US, in, 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 sorry, so in, the, in the Soviet Union and the USSR, um, which is kind of a version of, of U.S., I guess. Uh, but you know, so so communism, um, like the communists believe that communism communism would spread all around the world. That's where the idea of the international internationale comes from, and all that. Um, and the U.S. 
really wanted to contain that. Which I think, you know, looking back was a laudable goal, you know, because communism is a, a totalitarian um, ideology. And, um, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm, I talked about socialism, communism on, on another episode some time ago, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying generally, you know, Marx and Engels didn't have some good ideas. I think they did. But, you know, um, in general, it is, it is a totalitarian, anti-democratic idea. Um, you know, basically it puts the state over, if you want to really boil it down, it puts the state over the individual, which is not um, compatible with democracy. But anyway, uh, for that reason, or maybe just power politics, probably the latter, the US wanted to contain communism and they, they needed to contain China. And this is really why they went to war in Vietnam. Not because it was just or because they wanted to help the South. It was all about just containing um, China. And they lied, they lied to the American people about this. And they also lied about the chance of winning. And they sent thousands and thousands of uh, young um, American soldiers that were drafted uh, to die in a war that they knew they couldn't win. So when Ellsberg was was compiling these this, these documents to study, he was like, I guess when it was done, he was like, this is horrible. Like it is, it is, it's horrible that this is happening, but it's even worse that the public doesn't know about it. And he became one of the earliest and well-known uh, whistleblowers. So he went to the New York Times and um, because he, at the time, um, when he went to the New York Times, he encountered old school journalists, the journalists, right? And these people knew that it was their job to get information to the people and that they that good journalists are contrarian and they're especially contrarian towards power. So the government, big corporations, um, it is very much not the job of a journalist. And I've talked about this a lot in a democratic system um, to protect the interests of the state on, on the contrary. I mean, that's, that's where the idea of the fourth estate comes from, right? The executive, uh, the, the, the judi judiciary, sorry, executive, the, it's been a long day, the executive, the judiciary, and um, the legislative, and then there's the press, you know, all working together to maintain a balance of power and it's the job of the press to keep the powerful people, the government, but also corporations increasingly um, accountable. Um, and and Ellsberg, when he went to the Times, encountered journalists that knew this. And these journalists, you know, the Times, the publishers, when, 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 this, uh, when Ellsberg went to them with, you know, he copied the study and and went to the press and when he came to them the the publishers of the new york times actually um had lawyers um outside lawyers as well um you know give them a legal opinion and they said we we shouldn't publish this and there was an in-house lawyer who said no i think this is covered under press protection but you know these journalists went against especially initial um advice they got from their lawyers and published the story because it was important. Um, they knew that Ellsberg was doing the right thing and that he was acting in the interest of the public, uh, foregoing, I mean, um, to great risk 
at great risk to himself. And these journalists knew that they had to protect their source and they, they went out of their way to protect Ellsberg. Even when it became known that Ellsberg was the source and Ellsberg actually turned himself into the authorities, even after this, the, the journalists at the Times, New York Times and the Washington Post, who also did stories about this, did whatever they can to, you know, went to bat for Ellsberg to try to protect him. Um, and the reasons, and this is, I think, when we talk about these new leaks, this is much more important than the actual leaks. I'm going to tell you in a bit why I think that, but I think this is like the the relationship between the press and sources, like this is much more important. So back then, and and people like me, you know, I've 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 done uh, investigative stories with people that went to me with stories, and um, I know a good journalist knows that they need to protect their sources, and there is two reasons for this. And the obvious reason is that it is just the moral thing to do, right? Somebody comes to you and they want to do good to for society um, and they do the right thing and then you protect them. And that's why, at least at this point, I think it feels like this will be going away in the future, but like, this is why the press has kind of special privileges. They, I'm, you know, I'm talking the US and the UK and the and Germany, where, where I know the current press laws. And it's not so much, of, especially in Germany, it's not so much a matter of the law. Um, so so some, the source might come to a journalist and give him inf- or he, her, him or her information and then you know the police might might come to the journalist and demand to know the source now the journalist might actually be breaking the law by publishing the information or by not telling the authorities who the source is um but there is an understanding you know there's like you know um there's like the law and then it's how it's inter- interpreted by court and it's a very strong legal understanding both by judges and by lawyers um that um Usually, these cases aren't brought against journalists. That journalists have an important, as long as they fulfill their mandate, basically in society. Um, so you know, as long as their interest is serving the public and they do this in a reasonable way, they will not be persecuted, even if they break the law by disclosing certain information or by withholding certain information. Um, from from the police or from the authorities and um i mean it's first of all it's the moral thing to do you know it's a it's a basic question of of, of work ethics and um, that you will not rat out your source but even if you're morally ambiguous uh, there is a very strong incentive for journalists and has always been to like even if you don't care about the morals of the situation um, even if you think maybe, you know, it would be better to turn the source into the police. There's a very, very, very strong reason not to do this, which is if you do this once and it becomes public, and it will, then no other source, no other whistleblower will ever trust you again. They will never trust your um, your um, your publication, right? Um, so... If if 
Glenn Greenwald would have turned in Edward Snowden, like nobody would ever given have given him a story again. The New York Times had turned in Daniel Ellsberg, um, nobody would have trusted them anymore. Um, it was bad enough for the Intercept to basically out reality win winner by accident. You know that was bad enough, but had they done it on purpose, nobody would ever come to them again. Nobody, no, no source would ever trust them again. So it's within enlightened self-interest of journal journalists to not, not do this, which is why they never do. Until now, until Jack Texara, wh where the New York Times did this. I'm gonna go into uh, how in a second, but like, I'm just gonna try to impress on you how baffling. If you're a journalist, how baffling this this situation is. And you have to understand, a journalist is, I've recently listened to Matt Taibbi say that journalism isn't a, isn't a profession, it's more than a trade. And I would tend to agree, right? There is no really, I mean, there's journalism courses at university, but there really is no exam, there is no, no badge that you get. You know, it's not like in Germany, when you learn to be a plumber, you get like a Meisterbrief, like a thing, you're now a certified plumber, certified electrician. Um, you, you, we, we don't have this. John, being a journalist is a self. <laughs> it's all, it's almost like it's almost like sadomasochism. It's like a self-inflicted <laughs> disease or something. It's like you're um, you j basically try to adhere to this for yourself, right? It's just like it doesn't matter if you're a blogger if, or if you work at the New York Times. Um, you just have a certain code. Of, of of ethics and and of working you know and and it's relatively easy i mean as far as i'm concerned this is what i have learned and i just you know like any any of the really good journalists i would say i learned this on the job i didn't go to university to learn this i just learned this on the job and i had some mentors and you know they taught me you know always protect your sources uh, be transparent um you know if you have material link to it um Always tell your readers your biases. Tell them where your information comes from, and you know if you make a mistake, correct it and and be forthright with it. And I try to follow this whatever I do. Like um, for example, when I worked at Heiser, we did at the beginning we didn't really have there was no policy um, when you made a mistake to um, be transparent about correcting it. Like some people would just you know because it's online you can just correct it in the text and then people would know and i always would go no i'm gonna i'm gonna correct it in the text and i put a, a very visible edit underneath where i go edit you know timestamp um this article used to say this it now says this like that was a mistake it now says this um and i think that's very important and you know i like to be i like to give full disclosure if you go um to this news article that or this this article that i wrote on in my newsletter on my Substack about the story we will get later to uh, Bellingcat being involved. I put a footnote and I said, full disclosure, um, I'm ashamed to admit that I backed Bellingcat's Kickstarter for £47 in 2017. What can I say? It was a more naive time back then, or maybe it was just a bit dumber, dumber in 2017. Uh, they never sent me my backer re rewards, by the way. You know, I like to put things like that out there because it will be found anyway, right? Um, like, if I talk about Bellingcat and how I don't like him, then somebody can dig up my Kickstarter profile, which is public, and then they'll figure out, hey, he actually paid money to Bellingcat back in the day, like he's a hypocrite. Um, so, 
I like to do that. I think that's how you do things. You're transparent. You know, you you protect your sources. You you are um, upfront with your biases. You explain to your readers where you come from, and you just do your best. You know, like any. I mean, maybe more than other. Uh, professions journalism is embracing that you make mistakes because it's an ego-driven job right you you go out there you write for hundreds of thousands of people let's you know in some cases millions of people see what you write you know uh, what you say in a podcast they, they hear what you say in a podcast and that comes with the downside that when you make a mistake you'll hear about it and there's no like you have to be humble about it. Like it's a privilege to talk to that many people and to um, be able to chronicle events and tell people your your personal take on it. And with that comes the downside that when you fuck up, it's very public. It's not like you being a plumber and you fuck up the plumbing and you can just go, well, I made him, you know, you, 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 you might even be able to cover it up so the client doesn't see it. Or in the worst case, you go to the client and say, I made a mistake. I'm going to need another day. I'm going to fix it. But nobody in the public will know. And that's the case with most jobs. If you just work in an office and you fuck up, you know, you get some flack from your boss or whatever. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get fired, but like nobody will know and the public won't know. As a journalist, the public will know. And, and and that's the downside of the job and you have to embrace that. Um but I'm getting I'm getting too far afield. My whole point being that when Daniel Ellsberg went to the New York Times in nineteen seventy one, he encountered journalists that knew what their job was. <laughs> and they protected him. And Ellsberg, when he put him when he went, you know, and and, and reported himself to the authorities he was of the opinion, and he says that to this very day on Twitter. He just said that like a few months ago when when uh, Simo Hirsch wrote his uh, story uh, about uh, the Nord Stream thing. Um, he believed he would have gone to jail for life because in the U.S., in case you don't know, they have a horrible law, which is called the Espionage Act, which was um, put on the, the books in World War One, which was obviously a very special situation. It's one of these things, you know, when, 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 when SARS-CoV-2 happened, the pandemic, I said, you know, they put these laws on the book and then they say, well, you know, they never matter afterwards, but then they never get written out of the law, right? So World War One is a very specific situation and people are very scared. And so they, they, they passed a law that makes it very onerous to just publish um, information that pertains to the, it's a very loose written law. Like it's information that pertains to the national security of the United States, whatever. And, and um, they'll just put you in, in, in jail and they have a habit of just bringing multiple uh, uh, charges so that if you leak something like the Pentagon Papers, they can very well put you away for life. And we have done that with Ellsberg. Um, the problem is the Nixon administration fucked up, broke into his, they wanted to discredit him, you know, Timo Hirsch, <laughs> sound familiar? Uh, they wanted to discredit him and they broke up into his psychiatrist's office and stole his medical files to kind of, I don't know, like publish his sexual proclivities or something. I'm kind of, you know, I read all about this like years ago. I can't even remember half of it, but like, you know, and they, and they fucked up. So 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 the court threw out the, the case against Ellsberg. But he would have gone to jail for life and, and whistleblowers in the U.S., um, you know, as much as the U.S. prides itself on freedom of speech, uh, it has a habit of just putting people in jail, you know. Um, 
Chelsea Manning, uh, a Julian Assange, uh, reality winner, um, Ellsberg would have gone to jail. Um, Edward Snowden would, you know, as soon as he turns up in the US, will probably go away for life. This is just, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bad law. Um, and this is exactly what uh, Jack Teixeira, Teixeira is facing. So um, just to give you a quick, so what happened here is uh, the guy's a kid. He's like 22, 21 or 22. Doesn't, you know, can't really, it's not really clear apparently. Um, he is an airman first class, which is uh, like the third lowest enlisted rank or whatever in the Massachusetts Air National Guard. So that's an, it's a reserve regiment you know in the u.s has these weird like national guard weird it's like he's basically a soldier but he's like a part-time soldier but he believes in what he's doing apparently his or was doing apparently his you know his dad worked on the same base and in the middle so he's from a military family um and and he apparently men like he, he he took this very seriously like there's there's stories out there that apparently his mother talked about that he missed his high school graduation because he had to you know, do training. Um, and so the, the guy is a gamer, <laughs> you know. He's like 22, of course he's a gamer. Everybody's a gamer these days. And uh, he was playing, uh, I, I guess, Minecraft with some of his friends and they had a Discord server. And, you know, as you, as you do on Discord and when you're gaming, you talk to your friends about all kinds of shit, probably shit at work. And apparently the guy had a high security clearance because he does like some cyber cyber stuff in the National Guard, and uh, he had access to some uh, top-secret documents about the war in Ukraine. And um, I think as you would, let just put yourself in the mind of being a 22-year-old kid, and you actually have some... It's not the Pentagon Papers, but you have some background information on this war. And then you hear what's going on in the press, where, like, it's, I don't have any background information, and I obviously know that, you know, <laughs> everything that's in the press in the West is, like, Ukrainian and U.S. propaganda. Like, clearly. Um, <laughs> so, um, so you have access to the real deal, to real information, and it says something different, you know. And if you're, like, 21, 22, you're young, you're probably idealistic, you're not thinking, I mean, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I clearly wasn't thinking things through. Um, man, I did some silly shit when I was this young. <laughs> um, yeah, so so he just, you know, told him, you know, you you know, kind of want to know how the war is real going. And he, he had some photographs he obviously took of, like, classified material and he showed it to his friends. And as as the internet goes, apparently at some point it got out, got out, right? Um, so now what happened here is like this information was floating around the internet for months, and suddenly the press got like interested in it. And Bellingcat was actually writing, um, which is like this, uh, you know, citizen journalism kind of outfit in the UK. I didn't know this in 2017, otherwise I wouldn't have given them money. I was very idealistic back then. But basically, Bellingcat is, is founded by a journalist, but it is kind of, it's like an NGO. It's like one of these um, fact-checking places. It's, it's got very close ties to the Atlantic Council, which is like a think tank, which is very close to NATO and the US government. Like, it's clearly not completely directly connected, but it's like in the ballpark, right? So 
banning can basically, I think a lot of the time, just launders information from Western intelligence services. I think that's in hindsight, you know, I thought back back in 2017, I thought they did good work with like the, the Malaysia Airlines thing um, where they basically figured out what happened to that plane. I think that was all intelligence information. Um, I think they're relatively close to like probably MI6 or whatever, you know, and, and then they get past like this information and they write reports about it. Anyway, they were looking into um, who this leaker was and they tried to ad- identify him. And so basically, I think the New York Times uh, hired a guy or like, I don't know, got associated with this guy from Bellingcat who found out who this guy was, Jack Texera, which probably wasn't that hard. You know, once you had the leak, you did some poking, you asked some people where the information came from, and the Times actually did some stories where they talked to, like, his Discord friends or whatever. So they basically knew, they figured out who he was. Now, in the 1971 New York Times, the one else book went to, you'd protect your source, right? Um, so the Pentagon Papers, by the way, the New York Times won the Pulitzer Prize for that in 72. Uh, you know, Pulitzer for public service, of course, because it was like very important. And it basically ended, the Pentagon Papers basically ended the Vietnam War. I mean, there was already, you know, lots of anti-war protests in the US, but this kind of galvanized everybody. And then when Nixon tried to win, they tried to break into his psychiatrist's office. It was like, what the fuck? Um, but like, it was kind of a case of like Snowden where... You know, if you were in the anti-war movement at the end of the 60s, you were probably aware that the U.S. had started this war to contain China. And you probably kind of understood that the that you weren't winning the war, right? It had been years and, you know, the government was con- kind of like in Ukraine. The government was continuously saying, yeah, we're going to win this. No problem. We can beat the Viet Cong. This is, we've got like napalm and we got choppers. And and that was like the stuff that was largely also reported in the press. But then you had people coming back from Vietnam and everybody at the time, of course, then suddenly knew somebody who knew somebody who just came back. They're like, it's horrible. They're just killing us in the fucking, in the fields and they're coming out of the tunnels and we've got no chance, <laughs> right? And then so you had this like uh, mismatch between what was reported uh, officially and what what actually people were telling you. <laughs> kind of like we have now, right? We have we had with the with the with Snowden, you know, where all the people who know anything about about spying and the internet knew that the NSA was basically spying on everybody and they were spying on Americans. Um, you know, the the stuff you have with with the pandemic, where where there was stuff reported in the media. You know, I talked about this recently on an episode uh, and on social media, and then you had you know information on the ground from people you know, and it just didn't match. And that was kind of the situation back then. Um, but yeah, so, so the Times did a huge, you know, they won this Pulitzer Prize for a reason. And for good reason, not like the, the Russiagate Pulitzer Prize. They won this. This was actually good. This was a public service. This is, you know, this is very important. But it's not 1971 anymore, right? So when when they worked with Bellingcat and they found out who this Jack Tixera guy was, instead of, you know, contacting me and going, you know, right, we've seen this these papers. Um, what else do you got? And we can probably protect you, you know. You'll become a source. We won't tell anybody. 
that we found you and we'll try to like we'll even maybe work with you if you <laughs> want to pull a snow and get out of the country uh you know it'll be illegal but we can probably maybe help you with that um, but the important thing is like you know it, 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 what i would call a real journalist a journalist who understands his job would have gone right i don't care who you are i don't care why you leaked this information and you didn't leak it to us which is kind of unfortunate because now it's out there but you know you got some more like, can you give us some more shit? We really want to know how the war is going. And that's how a journalist treats this kind of thing, right? If you're a good journalist, you don't care who the source is. You don't care. Well, you ask, you want to know what their motivations are, but you don't, like, ethically care about it, right? If they just give you the information because they're pissed off with their boss, who cares? The more important thing is the information. You look at the information, you go... Is this believable? Can I corroborate this? Because that's the main point, right? You don't want to get somebody give you some false shit. You want you need to kind of figure out is this believable? Uh, you know, you need to get information from them how they got it. You try to like corroborate this kind of shit with other sources, and if you can't do that, then you kind of just do common sense and you try to kind of figure out is this actually believable? Right? That's the first question and then there's one other there's literally there's two questions is this probably true is question number one and question number two is is this newsworthy i.e does the public have a right to know this is this just dirt on a like um you know let's say somebody you know let's say you get some information on joe biden or donald trump and like he has some weird sexual fe fe fetish right like that's not newsworthy like that's just if as long as it doesn't infringe on his job and as long as you know it didn't cause a, a, a foreign intelligence service to blackmail him or whatever nobody cares it's not newsworthy but like if it is yeah that's it that's the two questions you ask I mean, you can ask a lot more questions, and you will. You kind of, you know, you kind of, as a journalist, you kind of want to get a feeling like, who is the source? Why are they giving me this information? Because that's also part of the picture that you paint for yourself to figure out if it's believable, right? Um, if somebody gives you some information for no reason, they give you no reason, you should be much more skeptical. If somebody, like even if they're working for an intelligence service, gives you this information, goes, I'm doing this because I really fucking hate my boss. And they bullied me for 10 years and I want to fuck this whole intelligence service over, it makes this information immediately more believable because that's just the human thing. That's the thing humans do. Um, so that's the two questions you ask yourself. The rest doesn't matter, right? But the New York Times didn't do this. They published the story and they named the guy. Then, And even worse, they basically, so this is what happened. The New York Times thought on who this guy was they went to his house. There were several reporters at his house. Um, they encountered apparently his family, and he was on the base. He had worked overnight, I guess, on the base. And they talked to his family, and then they even said, when you turn up, you know, you probably want to get a lawyer because I guess the the um, the, 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 the police is going to be here. And basically the guy turned up, and then they, you know, I don't know if they talked to him, but they basically waited there, and then the FBI turned up and arrested him. And and that was because, of course, the Times was doing stories before they even knew the information. They were kind of like, they were actually pushing the investigation, like the the criminal investigation in who this guy was. 
So this is a newspaper trying to basically framing a source of a leak, which is, that is unbelievable. If you told that to like a journalistic, uh, you know, if, if I go to like a trade association meeting with all the journalists and I've said 10 years ago, you know, can you imagine the New York Times going instead, you know, they got, they got a source and instead of protecting the source and getting information from him, they basically advocate for this guy to be arrested <laughs> and then you do nothing and just watch the FBI arrest him. Like everybody would said, are you like, what the fuck? Are you crazy? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. But that is exactly what happened. Um, and it just, blows my mind like i've been doing this show and because i'm a journalist obviously i'm interested in in the trade as it were and and in the stuff that's happening and and like this is just like and i've seen shit like i've seen things you wouldn't believe was it like the blazer beams glittering at the tannhäuser gate i've seen that in journalism and i i at this story i still went like the fuck now <laughs> what did they do like, it is, so they basically let the FBI to his house and then watched them arrest him. And they didn't even go like, he's a source. And why did they do this? If you like ask that question, like, why? Why did they do this? I don't know. I mean, I would say that no matter what personal <laughs> things were involved, like you would you would never do this right it's kind of like it's kind of like you're a policeman and and you're you're out partying with your friends and and everybody's a bit drunk uh but you're kind of sober and they go we're going to do this really stupid thing that's illegal and you go like and they're like do it with us <laughs> you're like Guys, I can leave now and I cannot talk about what you're probably doing and just ignore it. I can do that. But I cannot like be part of this because they will catch us and you know, I'll I'll will go to court and I'll lose my job. <laughs> you know. You know, I'll, I'll be I'll be arrested and I'll be tried and I'll I'll lose my ability to uh, uh carry a gun uh and then I won't be able to be a policeman anymore and I won't do that. Um, that's kind of this level of what has happened here. Now, if you ask me why did the Times do this, the only reason I can think of, I mean, there's two reasons. There is uh, the reason that they internally and externally quite obviously support this war, right? And they, the slant on their stories is quite often that they um, think this is a justified war and that Ukraine must win and, you know, Basically, all means are justified. So they have, a, I guess, a political slant to not want to hurt this effort of this proxy war that the U.S. is fighting. But I also think, and, and this is probably a stronger factor, um, it's hurt feelings because this kid just fucking leaked his stories on the internet. He didn't go to the press. And they were like, well, okay, then fuck you. We won't protect you and we're going to um, toss you to the wolves, which is very short-sighted, you know, for the reasons I mentioned before. This is a dumb thing to do uh, because, you know, 
who's gonna who, I mean at this point and 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 you know after I wrote my story about this I think uh, Matt Taibbi wrote something about this too and lots of intelligence journalists have written about this but Taibbi basically said it'd be su it'd be suicide by reporter to go and and go to the times now with like I got internal information that you know will will probably land me in jail like they will never get like they will never get a whistleblower that like that now or if they will the person's obviously dumb as shit <laughs> you know if if you have uh if you have confidential information that you want the public to see but that would land you in jail uh should the authorities figure out who leaked it If you go to the New York Times at this point or ever again with information like this, you're a you're an idiot. You're a certified idiot, and and I mean I I, I don't want to I don't I don't mean, I I don't think you deserve going to jail, but you kind of almost do because you're that dumb. <laughs> um, like you just you just just can't do that anymore. I mean they're, they're obviously not <laughs> a safe place to. To, to, to do your whistleblowing at. And I kind of feel like I've, I've been thinking about this for, for some time. And um, I mean, I've been podcasting for a very long time, right? Um, I've been podcasting since 2006. And, you know, Linux, Linux Outlaw started in 2007. And there was always this Assange thing going on. And I was talking about this with Dan. And I can remember I was, I did not like WikiLeaks. Um, Because kind of like, you know, I think like Grand, Grand <laughs> Don Raff, Grand Green, Greenwald, Don Raff, um, like Glenn Greenwald and, and other journalists at the time, I was, I didn't like this method of, you know, just leaking stuff directly. <laughs> and I think that was out of self-interest or vanity. If I reflect on it, it's just because you're cutting out the middleman. Um, and... I do think journalists have a role, you know. I I do think the way Snowden did it was was the right thing to do it, like to find journalists that you trust, and that are trustworthy, and then tell them, you know, this is the information, but please don't leak this shit. And then, I mean, other journalists didn't adhere to that, but like Greenwald always did. Like he he didn't he didn't write articles about stuff where Snowden was like, ah, this is like this is where we're spying on China, and I really don't want to get that out because. They're spying on us, and it's kind of justified. And I wanna, I, I, I wanna um, talk about stuff where they, where they're spying on U.S. citizens because that's illegal, and they're lying about it. You know, and and then WikiLeaks also edits their shit, but like it's it's a it's a lot less. But you know, at this point, I'm like, like, why would you trust a journalist? Like, you might as well go to WikiLeaks. That's, I mean, they seem much more trustworthy than these assholes. <laughs> Like WikiLeaks hasn't handed any any sources to the fucking feds. <laughs> um, it's just baffling to me. Um, it's just baffling to me that the Times did this. Um, and you, you can kind of tell that their reporting like is not in good faith, um, because what they're doing does not serve the public. It does not serve the public. For some kid who leaked information um, that the government doesn't want to get out, right? It's not. It doesn't matter how he leaked it, and and that he didn't leak it to the press, that he just leaked it to some Minecraft friends. But like, 
in the grand scheme of things, at the end of it, he did the public a, a service because he put out information that the public has a right to know. I mean, in the U.S. especially, uh, a lot of information is classified. That's not classified because it endangers anything. Like, in, as far as I, I've seen in these documents, and I've, I've, I haven't looked, I've, I've looked at them, but, like, not in complete detail. I'll explain later why. But, like, one is time constraints, but there's also a good... I would have taken the time if I thought it was really important, but, like, there's nothing in there that, like, implicates agents or something, right? There's no people in danger because of this. It's just information that the government doesn't want the public to know because it's, like, inconvenient to the government and the military and, 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 and allies. You know, stuff like, oh, we of course we spy on allies. I mean, we know we knew that. Like, everything that's in these papers, I think it's something that you and me, probably people listen to the show, we have, like, at least retained a little bit of an ability to think critically, have probably suspected. Much like the Snowden documents. It's very much like that. Um, so it's like, it's not like he's even hurt anybody by putting that out there. Um... And it would be in the public's interest to report what's in there. It's not in the public interest to report on that, who this guy is and that he's now getting, well, that he's getting arrested is important, but like that, you know, that we got him arrested. Um, it's not good faith reporting. And even the reporting they're doing on how the materials were leaked is not good faith reporting because I would think that if you, let's let's put the question aside of what's in this material. If your focus is, how did they come out? Like, wouldn't your first question be like, how an airman first class in a reserve unit in some fucking backwater place in Massachusetts for the Air National Guard, who's 22, how does he have like a top security clearance? How does he even get access to this material? And... If you give people like this access to this material, it obviously can't be that fucking important. Like, and it's like he leaks stuff that is like, you know, strategic assessment of like the war in Ukraine. Why did he even see this? Like, even if he's like a cyber guy, like he's a cyber guy for the Air National Guard in Massachusetts. He's this is a reserve regiment. He's not going to Ukraine. Why does he like he was in an intelligence role? But like, why does he have access to this information? <laughs> like what that's the questions you 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 don't shoot the messengers that's the stuff you ask it's kind of with the Seymour Hirsch stuff where you can see their reporting on that is not in good faith because even if you go that's unbelievable and his story is fake the first thing you do is you go to the US government you go to like the spokeshole for the for the pentagon and you go like is Seymour Hirsch right and then they go, oh, Seymour Hersh is very, very unreliable. That's like the thing they did like in the press conference where one guy actually asked. Them. And you go like, no, I don't give a fuck who Seymour Hersh is. I want to know, the stuff he reported, is that correct? Right? You put them on the spot. You at least make them lie. Because if they lie to you and you fucking publish that in your newspaper and it comes out 20 years later through a leak that they fucking lied, then you can fucking burn them to the ground. But the least thing you do is you ask them clearly, is this correct? And you nail them down. You make them at least lie. I mean, that doesn't really serve the public in the moment, but then you at least have nailed them to the wall for later. It's not that hard. 
journalism is that fucking hard. It's not a hard job. It's really not a hard job. It's just perseverance and not fucking backing down in the face of adversary. And most of all, basically, the, the, the motto I have that I end every show with now, you know, aim to misbehave. Malcolm Reynolds in Serenity. That should be the motto of every journalist because that is your fucking job. Aim to misbehave. Right? News is something that somebody else doesn't want to be published. Terry, I don't know who said it originally, but it's in, in the truth by Terry Pratchett. If you want to know anything about journalism, you can read that book and then you're done. And it's a really fun book. <laughs> it's it's not even a you know, it's not a textbook, it's a fiction book. It's very fun. The Truth by Terry Pratchett. Read it. It's a good book. You laugh your ass off. And after the, after it, you know everything about journalism you need to know. Like literally. Pratchett was a journalist. He knows. Um, it's that easy. Just, you're, just, you're, you're contrarian. You're an asshole. You're not supposed to be liked. Right? This is why I don't think like the people... Um, Adam Curry on our agenda always calls them news models, and I think he's right. Like you know, in Germany on 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 public uh, TV, there was like you know the the guy who reads the nightly news. They call them editors. They're not fucking journalists. They're just models who read something. You know, you're not supposed to be liked. Good journalists are not liked, especially not by the people in power, the people who give out the prizes, the people to invite you to dinners, you know. You're supposed to be like like fucking H.L. Mencken, being fucking drunk and hating everybody. That's what a good journalist is. But at least, you know, it seems like they're dying out. <laughs> and like this whole thing, like, I'm going to get into it a little bit how they went on after Discord and how Discord is evil. But like these stories were just like total at hominem attacks against this like Jack Texera guy where they're like, oh yeah, he plays video games. <laughs> they used, I think in a lot of like TV reports, they used, um, he is charismatic. They used charismatic as like a, a slur, <laughs> you know? Oh, the guy's likable. Well, he need, he must be evil. <laughs> and also, this is the most this because I mean the reporting obviously wasn't good faith, but it was also very stupid. Like, I really don't understand how people can watch this shit on TV and 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 read the shit that these journalists who like want to make the world better and think they're good journalists and you know write for the New York Times, write on Twitter or whatever, where they go like. The guy was a gun enthusiast, and it's like that's like a that's like the ultimate slur now. That's like you're evil, you're a gun enthusiast. The guy volunteered to be a soldier. <laughs> he better be a gun enthusiast. <laughs> yeah, okay, he signed up to the air force. Air force, but it's like or well, the air national guard, or whatever. So you, you fly planes or whatever, do cyber shit. But like, he's a soldier. <laughs> it's like saying. He he's good with gun like he trained as an infantryman. He's good with guns as as like as a as a that's that that's proof why he's evil. Of course he is. He's in the fucking military. <laughs> he gets fucking training. <sighs> it's unbelievable. Anyway, um, I should we should probably quickly move on and, and talk about um, what's actually in these leaks. Uh, or rather, 
not talk about it because um I think, getting back to being a good journalist, I think as a good journalist, you have to admit sometimes when you can't, you can't comment on something, you can't write on some something because you just don't know. And I've been meaning to do another like how's the Ukraine war going for everybody episode for quite a while, and I might as well address this now. Like this is the reason I'm struggling. I've been for a year now just trying to figure out what's going on on the ground and I can't I can't figure out what's going on because all I have is the the news sources I have here like the German the US the UK news some French news and they're all obvious propaganda like the 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 borderline good news organizations you know like for a long time the public broadcasting in Germany which I don't like, but like in, in this case, they were at least like ethical, like openly said that like on a lot of stories, they were like, well, all the information we have on this is directly from the Ukraine government. I mean, they weren't like completely on the level because they always called out Russian propaganda as propaganda and Ukraine propaganda. They just said information from the Ukraine government, which is like they're in a war. It's propaganda. Like, you lie when you're in a war. And we're going to talk about that later in the feedback section as well. But like, I just have propaganda. And and then, you know, I can get access, even though the EU like permits me, uh, 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 not permits me, um, uh, prevents me from, you know, reading TAS and reading RT News or uh, watching RT News because even though I'm a journalist, it's all like all sense that every I can get to that. You know, I can use a VPN. <laughs> IT security journalist. I can fucking read TAS if I want to. Um, but like, that's also, proper. it's like clearly propaganda. So I don't trust the, the US uh, sources, like the stuff that comes from the US military and the intelligence services or the Ukrainian stuff. And, and I don't, you know, the Russian stuff is even easier. Like, it's even clearer propaganda because often it's like you you see it and it's like obviously um, contradicted by like the parts of the Ukrainian propaganda that is like clearly f factual or like, you know, it's it's clear that the stuff the Russians are saying is clearly not happening. But I also don't believe the, the Ukrainian the stuff they think is on the level because it wouldn't be because they're in the war. Um, and then, of course, you have raw information on the internet. Uh, you know, you have videos, you have audio recordings, you have mill bloggers and all this shit. But, like, it's all clearly propaganda. It's all, like, you can see, like, you have images of, like, a tank attacking a trench with infantry in it, or all kinds of stuff, or soldiers taking out the tank or the plane or whatever. But it's always, like, obviously, like, it's like a momentary thing. It's like cut to this specific situation. And it doesn't, it's always, it's used in as in propaganda circumstances. Like the Ukrainians going, this is how we are awesome. Or the Russians going, this is how we are awesome. And like, I, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about this. I don't know if I just tweeted about this on Twitter, but like, um, yeah, I think I did. I didn't talk about it on the show, but like, it's obvious. It's like obvious how it's propaganda. It's like the same account going like this Russian um, armored personnel carrier is complete shit, right? 
and, and they're posting one week they post about how this is sh like shit and it's like easily penetrated by like this NATO weapons and here's pictures of 50 of them destroyed and they're shit they're like from the 70s they're like this worst armored fighting vehicle you've ever seen it's like Russian shit and they go on about this for weeks and then suddenly they have some video of like Ukrainians having captured Russian tanks and go like, oh, this is amazing. This is, this is how the Ukrainians are winning. They're capturing these mm -hmm. tanks. And I'm like, I mean, are all the other people on the internet like complete idiots? <laughs> like you've just been saying these things are shit. How is it a victory for the Ukrainians to capture something that is easily destroyed and completely shit? Like why don't they just feel, bad, feel better stuff? Like, and even if they have to capture the shit stuff from the Russians, presumably it's originally Russian, so the Russians have more of the shit stuff. So if it's shit stuff against shit stuff, then, you know, how, how is it that this weapon system, and it's not only the, you know, it's also the rocket, whatever. It's like, this weapon system is shit one week because the Russians use it, and as soon as the Ukrainians capture it, it's like the, it's, it's like victory is assured. It's, and it's all this stuff all the time. So I have a lot of information. There's a ton of information on this war, but I can't assemble. Usually, usually you would go, okay, maybe not in war and propaganda, but usually you go, okay, I have a biased source on one side and a biased source on another side, and I kind of study what they say, and then I kind of combine it. You know, I kind of, you know, like these pictures where you screw up your eyes and it turns into 3D. I, never, I could never do this. <laughs> but like, I do that. And then, like a, a semblance of reality, kind of forms, but I can't. You can't do that with this shit. You can't. You literally can't. It's too much stuff. It's it's too much propaganda. I can't. I can't figure out. And I've tried for a year. I've spent countless hours. Like literally, I've got maps. I've got notes. I've got mountains of notes on this shit. And I'm like, I can't even figure out how the war's going. I don't know. I don't know if the Russians are winning. I don't know if the, apparently nobody's winning. Um, I don't know what the actual war goals are. The Russians actually trying to win. I, my idea is that that Putin's just like prolonging the war because it serves his, his interest. I kind of feel right now are the Amer so if the Americans are involved as we think they are, and especially as some of this leaked stuff says, so they're more involved than we thought they were. Um, why aren't the Ukrainians winning? Like we've been told, it's kind of like the Vietnam War. We've been told for months now. Even almost since the war begins began that the Russians are shit, they've got no chance, the Ukrainians will win. Why are they not winning? Why is this a stalemate? Like are they actually shit? Um, is it just propaganda that they're that good? Or maybe they're not interested in winning anyway, or at least the Americans aren't. You know, maybe it's good for them that the war's going, I've got no fucking clue. And for that very reason I can't make sense of these leaks right because these leaks say stuff where it's like contradicting with what the obvious US propaganda has been saying but like I can't really put it into perspective like when they say how many how many losses there were and then you know it's so there's a there's a as a photo of like a, these are slides these are kind of like Snowden materials they're like printed out slides and this guy took photos of them and um The uh, so there, there's some stuff on there where basically it, it says like the Ukrainians have lost a lot more people than the Russians, and we're talking like a number of uh, order of magnitude higher, uh, which obviously contradicts everything we've heard from official sources over here before. And they immediately said, Well, that slide was doctored, 
But I, like, I don't know. Is it realistic? Are these numbers realistic? Is this realistic? That is it completely unrealistic? Is that why they're doctored? I've got no fucking. I can't tell you. I don't know. Like, I can't fucking make sense of of. So you need context. If you do, if you get that, that's the problem. Like, if even as a journalist, if you get this stuff from a whistleblower, you kind of need to establish context to figure out does this make sense. And I can't do that with this material. I I don't know. So I don't know. Um, you know that there's theories out there that this stuff was actually leaked on purpose. Um, you know because leaking it would make sense for U.S. interests, right? You know some stuff in there is like oh the the Ukrainian air defense is almost depleted, so maybe they leaked this to drum up support in the West to give more weapons to Ukraine. Um. I don't know. I can't say. Um, you know, if you have some some insight in this, as always, I would love your feedback and I encourage it very much. And I will talk later about some feedback and then give you some information where you can contact me, but you basically go to private citizen or press. But like, I can't, like for that reason, what's actually in these leaks is not, not as important to me um, or I just I don't have context. I can't evaluate it really. So to me, the interesting story is how the press treated them. Um, and the guy, by the way, is now uh, he's arrested. He's facing uh, his first uh, his first hearing. Um, yeah, he'll probably, he'll probably go away for a very long time. Um, I I love that. Also, <laughs> there was a lot of outcry. I think it's a Washington Post journalist that the Russians just. Um, because he uh, he was critical of the war, so they arrested him and they put. I think they put him in jail for twenty five years. I think this, with you know, I'm obviously not encouraging because he's a journalist, and yeah, there should be outrage about this. But it's kind of funny that that you know this Jack Teixeira guy, which basically the New York Times put in jail, um, probably will be lucky if he gets twenty five years. <laughs> you know, I'm guessing it'll be a lot more. Um, but we'll see. Maybe he'll maybe, maybe be lucky, like uh, relatively lucky, like royalty winner. Who knows? Um, yeah. So one uh, one last thing I want to mention. It's it's very interesting to me also how when this happened, this was immediately called the Discord leaks, and and the press immediately went after Discord after the gamers um, tried to like blame gamers. Um, I mean, I find this interesting that this shit is still going on. Um, you know, kind of saying like gamers are somehow bad. I mean, this puzzled me uh, when Gamergate happened um, without wanting to go into the specifics of that. What was very puzzling to me about Gamergate was not only that gaming publications basically said gamers are dead um, because they should really know better, but kind of like the, the, the mainstream media did as well. And you're like... <laughs> And you guys paying like the gaming industry is bigger than Hollywood, right? If you look at sales of video games, what's being spent on video games, you know, these video games that that have exceeded um, the the cost of movies being produced. You know, I think GTA Five is like the first video game that by far exceeded any budget of a movie at the time. Um, 
there are much more people playing video games than going to the cinema these days. It's not a nerd thing anymore. Everybody fucking plays video games, right? People in the Zoomer generations, they just, you know, it's just, it's like watching TV. They don't, you know, it's 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 not even a thing anymore. It's just just what happens. I mean, it's just not even a question. You know, you ask you ask somebody who's twenty, like this Jack Tuchero guy. You you you'd ask him, oh oh yeah, kid, uh, do you play video games? And they, they just probably look at you like you just descended from the Mars. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what kind of questions? Do you breathe? <laughs> do you like strawberries? Um, there's probably more people playing video games than like strawberries. Um, so it's interesting that they still try to picture people who play video games as like kind of antisocial weirdos. Uh, one thing that was leveled against this guy, of course, was um, aside from being a uh, gun enthusiast in the military, it's also, of course, an incel. Um, so I guess that means he doesn't have enough sex at like 21 or 20. Like, guy's a nerd. <laughs> He's, he's like working for Cyber Command of the Air National Guard, right? He's like, if he's a virgin at 22, he's a nerd. Have you watched Big Bang Theory? <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And then hilarious, of course, also the journalists. Everybody went after Discord immediately. And we're talking people who don't know what fucking this, like, they just looked up Discord on, like, they maybe heard the name and they're like, what is this? Right, it's not people who know who use Discord who know what it is. It's like this weird. It, they made it sound like in a lot of stories, especially the Times, um, and also Bellingcat actually put that in a in a headline. They made it sound like it's like connect. It's like like 4chan, <laughs> you know, which is you know also not as uh, controversial. You know, it's it's not this like breeding ground of white supremacists that the press makes it out to be it's just like a meme forum right and yes of course many of these memes are toxic because surprise um offensive things are funny <laughs> you know in case you haven't noticed there's a lot of uh, uh comedians who build a career out of this in the last hundred years um but like they made it sound like i mean it's just a it's just a it's just IRC and like fucking. It's like it's like Microsoft Teams for gamers, like private, like for for uh, you know for 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 um, for recreation. It's like Teams for recreation. It's like some some terrorist uh, had plotted to blow up some building, and they'd used Microsoft Teams. And the press would go, well, Teams is the root of all evil. They couldn't do that because everybody fucking at work uses Teams. And they're like, at work, in the Teams chat, and they're reading the New York Times, and they're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And this is what like everybody who's ever played a video game online who's like, okay, um, I'm not using the in-game VoIP because it, it's horrible. It's shit. The quality is like literally like talking through a toilet paper tube to my friends and also you know EA Ubisoft fucking uh, Steam everybody has a, has their own inbuilt like friends list that I can't find anybody so we'll just use Discord 
This is what everybody uses, what the Twitch stream is. We'll just use Discord. It's like fucking Microsoft Teams for gamers. So everybody who's ever played a video game online is like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's the root of all evil. It's just a tool. It's just, you know, of course there's people doing shit, shitty stuff on Discord, but, but there's probably people doing shitty stuff on Microsoft Teams. It's like saying the internet is it's like it's incredibly dumb but what this means of course is that they're now you know they're coming for the gamers they're coming for discord because one of the things that discord of course is it's part of you know i would say these journalists wouldn't because they have no idea what the dark net is but it's it's like it's the dark net right or the deep web as they like to call it um which basically means it's an internet service that isn't publicly searchable. It's not indexed by Google, it's just in an app. So, like things like Telegram. Oh, sorry. I just. Oh. I was playing around with the D20 and I, 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 while doing this and I dropped it. Got no idea where it is. Where did I actually roll? Where the hell did this go? So, just in case you're wondering, I rolled a seven. Uh, guess i felt my wisdom saving throw <laughs> um so yeah they'll they'll be they'll be going after discord now because even though it's like not end-to-end -end encrypted it's like hidden kind of you know and there's people talking about things that they don't talk about on twitter because they're not being watched by the by the censorship industrial complex and that's really bad because you know danger to national security it's just like it's bad it'll be further uh, crackdowns because of this of course um you know and and just watch for da uh, gamers being demonized once again um i mean because we haven't had enough of that it's just it's 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 disappointing so to to um to wrap up the story i don't even know like what the what the prominence of these leaks is i would even say i don't know how important they are i would say from what i've seen um they are very common sense but you know i said so don't trust me because i'm too close to the to the matter apparently because that's what that was my mistake with snowden but seems to be very much like the Snowden Lee. It's like the outcome is uh, if if the information is, is to be believed that the US is very much, much more involved in the war in Ukraine than is publicly reported. Well, though, I would have thought we would expect that. The war isn't going as well for Ukraine as is publicly reported. I mean, duh. All the reporting's based on Ukrainian propaganda, so uh, I would expect that. Um, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't really know. I I wouldn't even like. Um, to me, having looked just at this a little bit, I would think that this information is stuff that shouldn't be secret. It's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting the military. The U.S. is not in war, officially. Um, I mean, this is all information that a, a a a democratic government in a state that works well, you know, under rule of law, should just give to their people anyway. Um, 
certainly this guy shouldn't go to, I mean, yeah, kind of, you can't just, like, if you're a soldier, you can't just leak this information, but I think... The, the way the situation turned out, it's kind of hard to make a case for him to be, like, maybe, I don't know. I would say, like, if he leaked stuff to the press, like, he should be, he should be absolved from his crimes under the, you know, I don't know, under some... Uh, Understanding that he's a whistleblower, he did the right to the, for the public, but he didn't really do that. He just gave the information to his gaming friends. Um, I don't know. He, they should probably, they should still not prosecute him, I think. I mean, what the fuck? Just leave the, just leave the guy alone. Like, just don't classify shit like that. And fuck, I just, I mean, the big outcome for this is just fuck the New York Times. Like, why would you do this? Like, why against your own enlightened self-interest would you not protect a potential source, get more information, serve the fucking public instead of serving the U.S. government, serving the FBI? And the thing is, it doesn't really matter even if you, in your twisted kind of understanding of the world, thinks it's et ethically correct for this guy to be on trial and be arrested. Like... In this case, going with your enlightened self-interest and actually being, um, being like, not ethical but like serving your own interest would be better in the long run because that would mean that you fucking protect, you know, potential source, get him to be a source, like get more information from him. It's just, it's it's, it's disappointing. Anyway, um, please, if you have some, if you have confidential information, I will not send you out to the fucking FBI. Um, I I think I can I can say this. I would go to jail rather than give somebody information about a source. Because in a world, you know, I, I, I think I thought that I live in a democratic society who understands the basis, where everybody understands the base, or most people understand the basis for their freedoms, right? If I actually live in a state where they will put a journalist in jail... Um, for protecting their source, I might as well be in jail. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> what's freedom at that point anyway? Um, I kind of, you know, would feel bad for my wife. Um, but she, um, on the other hand, is a very strong-willed woman and um, has her own beliefs uh, in 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 what is right and proper in the world, and I feel like she would back me up on this. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's not hope it comes to this, but I will protect you. Um, you can use whistleblower um, contact for uh, information. Like the smart thing to do would be, you know, I have this whistleblower contact form, and I, you know, if you go to um, private citizen or press, go to contact. Has a link to a blog post where I explain how to use it. Um, the smart thing to do would give me information in a way where I don't even know who you are. 
because at this point I can't tell anybody. That's the perfect plausible deniability because I literally can't. I don't know. <laughs> um, that's the way to do it. But like, I won't sell you out. I'm not the fucking New York Times, and I won't sit at your house watch you watch while you're being arrested by the feds. Um, but speaking about feedback, you can also do that publicly if it's if it's less controversial. You could sign up to the forum. We have a forum, uh, the Fab Industries forum. This is my personal website. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we had on the forum we had an interesting thread. Um, so that that's going to be my feedback for that I I'm going to address for this episode. Um, so in in reply to episode 150, um, which was about the Twitter files. Um, and I talked about, um, you know, the truth. And I put out this idea that um, in, a, in a democratic society that works well, um, the government should not fear the truth. Its citizens figure out the truth. It should really not hurt um, a government. And a society that works well um, to, to, to learn these truths... Um, so that that was my theory, and I advanced this. But we have some comments on this. We have Fadi, uh, Fadi, and Evgeny, to to probably the the people who write into the show the most, um, had a very nice discussion on the forum, um, which I would have participated in, but I, I watched it and I was like, this is very important, and I'm gonna address it on the show, which I didn't chime in. Why I didn't chime in on the forum? Um, if you hear me being quiet about these kind of things, it may, or if I don't answer you, it often means I'm gonna answer you on the show. Uh, anyway, Fadi says. Uh, with regards to the point about, and I'm going to interject here and address it uh, in between, right? So be prepared for that. Anyway, Fadi says, um, with regards to the point about malinformation, I understand the point you're making about truth being harmful to, to those in power. But to take a slightly more conservative position, I can understand that truth might be problematic. Let me give a silly example. I always liked in RPG games... I liked, I love that he, me, me just dropping a d20 there. Uh, let me just, wait, let me go again. Oh, 16, that's much better. Um, <laughs> I always liked in RPG games when I have a set of questions to probe the personality you are representing. So there would be a question like, you're on the battlefield and your friend is dying and he asked if your side was winning. Knowing that you see your cause is losing, uh, would you tell him knowing that he will die, feeling that he is? Uh, would you tell him, like the truth, uh, knowing that he will die, feeling that he's lost his life for a losing cause? I mean, this is a, a famous uh, conundrum that is also often happening in movies, um, where then the main character, of course, lies and you know comforts a friend as a last, you know. Um, service to them, basically. So um, here's my take on this. First of all, um, I was addressing, when I was talking about this, I was talking about the public at large. I was not talking about, I think I made this point at some point, um, private individuals, right? There's always, you can always hurt people when they, everybody has something to hide. This is why the, if you don't have anything to hide, you know, you don't have anything to fear. It's bullshit. Everybody has something to hide. Everybody has sexual practices that they don't want to come out. Everybody has something in their past where they like cheated somebody or they 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 like didn't pay their taxes or whatever it is. Everybody has something like this. This is normal. That that means being a human 
being, uh, being an adult. It happens. Everybody has. This is why uh, in totalitarian states, the state often has power over people. You know, this is how the the Stasi operated in in East Germany, because everybody has something they don't want the public to know, and they can blackmail you with it. Um, so I wasn't addressing personal. You know, I mean, there's such a thing as a white lie. Um, you know, you you, you uh, in in a relationship, in a family, you lie to people, and sometimes it's it's actually better to lie, right? There's some stuff you don't just don't want your parents to know, um, because it would, like it would make everything more complicated, and it like they just literally they wouldn't gain anything from it. <laughs> you know, it would just be like. There are things about your life that some other people just should know, and 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 if they press you on it, you you'll, you'll just lie, and that's okay. Um, so in the same vein, um, in these RPG games, I often represent characters that would be honest in this regard. I think I'm. Um, what would that be in D and D? Um, it would be uh, chaotic, neutral, I guess. Something like this, like I would be, or even might be even uh, chaotic, lawful, or something. But like it would be, um, I would want to know personally. I would, I would very much want to know. But I, I realize that I'm not a normal person, and my feelings on many things are not what uh, what the majority of other people would have. And um, in this very situation, if if you would ask me this RPG question, honestly, um, I would say to you um, that depends on my relationship to the person. I would try to do what I think the person would want because they are dying and I feel like if they're my friend and if I can, 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 can be of service to them, you know, help them tide over to what I think is oblivion, but maybe they think they're going to have an afterlife, whatever, um, I would think, I would do what I would think they want me to do. So if I would have the feeling that they want me to lie and tell them that our side is winning, I would do that. And I would have no qualms about that whatsoever. Anyway, uh, Yevgeny answered, um, in, um, in a similar way, actually, uh, truth can cause people damage in many ways. Um, in a war, public awareness of the truth about your army's movements, bases, and defenses usually costs dearly in soldiers' lives and military equipment. Um, first, let me address that. Um, as somebody uh, who's studied war because I've studied history, um, I would say that is not the case and was never, never was the case because the public awareness of what's happening in the war is always and that includes today in Ukraine um, and in other wars, always lagging behind uh, to such a degree that, um, you know, it's never dangerous um, because they're just like, they're no journalists in a war zone. And if they are, they're embedded and it's very controlled, but they can see like in a battlefield, that's what they call a fog of war. Um, you know, the, the the public does not know. And they they will know much later. So I, I just think this question is, does not exist. I've never seen a pub uh, a, a historic um, incidence of like I mean you can give up give, give away your your movements or whatever to the enemy, um, but it's not like 
anybody ever like watching CNN in the Gulf War, the Iraqis would have figured anything out, right? It's just, it, I don't think that ever happens. Anyway, Evgeny continues, in a competitive business endeavor, public awareness of the truth about your product plans and launching dates can allow com a competitor to win and leave your employees with nothing to feed their children with. Okay, to address that, I think that's a very specific um, it's a it's it's a very specific capitalism problem i mean i would say personally and i'm not a friend of corporations i don't work for a corporation for a reason and i don't want to anymore ever um i would say if your competitive advantage is such that if the public learns the truth about your product and your competitive advantage is gone at that point, you might as well go bankrupt because then your company is worth nothing. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that this doesn't have any, that if a company goes bankrupt, there is, isn't suffering coming from that and people are hurt. But like, really, I feel like what, what is hurting you at that point is not the truth, but the fact that your company is built on a lie. Right? The truth isn't really hurting you. What's hurting you is that 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 you really didn't have a competitive advantage, to be honest. Uh point three. And, and you know, Evgeny, I, I want to say I, I, I thank you for writing and I respect your opinion. And the fact that I don't agree with you um shouldn't take away from your effort and, and you know, I respect your opinion. And I respect that other people are um, of other opinion, this is why it's very important for me that people write in. Um, right? I'm just countering with my opinion, which I don't specifically think is worth more than yours. I don't think I'm more right than you, in, in effect. I'm just telling you what my opinion is. Um, Yevgeny continues uh, in medicine, it is uh, by now. Uh, in parentheses, given that a patient has a right to know about their own her, her own condition in detail, but it's also widely understood that sometimes the patient needs a great deal of preparation to finally be given the truth. Otherwise, the truth about the patient's condition might very well kill her. Okay, um, several caveats here. What I'm going to say now is my personal opinion. I know it's not re representative of most people. I'm I'm very different. One of the reasons is I've never been in a hospital knock on wood, in my life. So I've never been really seriously sick. Uh, but I feel like if I was in hospital, I would want to know the truth. If I had terminal cancer and I was going to die in a week, I would want to know immediately. I, don't, I wouldn't want to, like, there's no way I feel um, a doctor or a counselor or whoever could prepare, prepare me for that. Like, that's just the shock you're going to have. It's going to be horrible. It's a, it's a shock you got to work through. and It's not going to be better by people giving it to you slowly or lying to you at first. Like I personally, you know, I, I understand that this is not the best for everybody, but it would be the best for me, right? Same as if I was on the battlefield and I was dying, I would want to know, right? I wouldn't, if I was on a battlefield, I wouldn't draw any consolation from my side winning either. So, you know, um, and I would, I would, I would want to know. Um, and you know, but I'm also somebody who would probably wouldn't kill himself because I, I, I am very 
ego egotistical maybe egomaniac and i would think like i think the doctor's wrong you know there's many there's many of these people who've been diagnosed yeah you got three weeks to live and they survived <laughs> you know so i wouldn't um if a doctor told me you got a week to live i wouldn't like eat my gun because of that right if there came a point where i was uh very 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 sick obviously you know suffering very badly um i would have pain and they could do anything with fucking morphine, whatever. That would be the point where I would go, maybe I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. I'm just going to blow my, blow my brains out. Uh, preferably with 45. <laughs> don't don't trust the 9mm. By the way, I didn't say this in the beginning. This is uh, the 20th of April, which is, uh, speaking of blowing your brains out with a 9mm, uh, which is always an interesting date to me because it's uh, both... Uh, the day Adolf Hitler was born, but also the day where the Americans just smoke weed a lot, <laughs> which I always found hilarious that history made that like a confluence um, of two things that, that are just juxtaposed in a, in a in as much as two things can be. But you know, speaking of blowing you know, Hitler, uh, I don't know if people know this, but if under his, talking about you know historians for historians, it's kind of famous. Uh, uh, Hitler and I think uh, Goebbels did this too. No, Goebbels just took the cyanide pill. Hitler took a cyanide pill and then shot himself uh, with the Walther PVK 9mm, uh, which is one reason of uh, for me, this is one of my favorite guns, the Walther PVK, uh, because it killed Adolf Hitler. <laughs> um, it's also a very nice gun. Um, but like, you know, he didn't trust it, blow his brains out with a 9mm, which is makes sense. Use a forty five. You know, if you do it, do it properly. <laughs> um, no, don't just, don't blow, blow your brains out, all right? Uh, but like, you know. But I would only do this if I was like really in pain, if I didn't see any way out. I wouldn't do this because the doctor told me you got a week to live. I'd be like, what? <laughs> you don't know what you, you, just, you, just, you don't, know, don't know what you're talking about. And if I'm dead in a week, I'm dead in a week, you know, <laughs> just whatever. Anyway, um, so I don't, I don't agree with this either. <laughs> <laughs> um. He continues, Fab is trying to make the distinction in the episode and uh, what he's saying, I think, is, I might have misunderstood, democratic governments can't be hurt by truth and if they are, there's something wrong with them. I don't think I can fully subscribe to that point of view either, even if we leave out the fact that democratic governments comprise people and people can be damaged by truth. Yeah, so I wasn't talking specifically you know when i'm talking about the government and i'm talking about like the chancellor of germany i don't talk about them as a private person i talk about them as in the office of course they can also be heard by truth that but i feel like if you're in kind of that office right let's say you have very very weird sexual practices which completely down with me i'm like you know whatever you do whatever consenting adults do in their bedroom. And I literally mean that, like, you know, if you want to piss on each other and, and eat scat, I don't give a damn as long as I don't have to watch. Um, you know, I don't care. Uh, but I feel like if you, you also, like if you, if you have very weird sexual practices that you don't want to come out, uh, you're probably not the right person to run for public office. Unless it doesn't bother you if it comes out, then it's okay. Then I'm okay with it. But it's like, if you have, I understand that everybody has secrets, but like that's also like, it's it's not black and white. It's like it, <laughs> 50 shades of gray. Um, 
you know, uh, it, it, and, and I feel like somebody like that doesn't have a place in public office. But anyway, um, so I'm, I'm talking about like not the actual people, but like the office they hold. Um, anyway, uh, even if you leave out the fact that democratic governments compress people and people can be damaged by truth, you see the institutions can also suffer from truth, which I disagree with. One example is police. I can envision a case of a covert, covert operation being not just the most effective, but simply the only way of combating some organized crime. Truth about the said covert operation can, if leaked from truly, void the whole operation and render police unable to do its job. And I'm not talking about the three letter agencies and secret services. We talked about that on the show. Just plain old police work. Yeah, but the thing is, that's a matter of timing, right? Um, I agree with you that if it's bleak prematurely, yes, that of course. I wasn't even arguing that. What I was saying is like the truth telling your voters, the citizens, the truth, like at some point. And I mean relatively close, but like at the point where the operation is done, it does that you've 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 um you've arrested everybody and it's all done, then you should tell everybody the truth. And it's just like, you know, in the US, this crosses over with three-letter agencies. You know, this is the FBI. They do police operations and they keep shit private. And the same with, with military and the war. Like, if you're fighting in a war and you're, you're you know, you're a um, democratic state, I understand keeping secrets for a while. You know, I'm... I, I read many, many books about World War II, right? I understand what it means to, like, you know, crack Enigma and it being very important that the enemy doesn't know about this. But we're not talking about this kind of stuff, right? We're talking about reasons why you fight the war. And in that particular episode, um, we're talking about the government... Uh, censoring or the government having private companies censor stuff because they don't want certain truth to come out right if if you um if vaccines have side effects and your government is we're all about the science so listen to the science follow the science and then the science in air quotes says well, maybe whatever you're doing isn't that good. Like, that's the truth that if you suppress that as a democratic government, something is extremely wrong. Um, and and we thought that this is even this is not controversial, right? Um, I mean, this is what Watergate was about. Um, if you make a mistake like that as the president of the United States, the the consequence is to admit to it and step down. And you know, if you're if if you're if you morally understand what your office is about, then you just do that, and you don't try to cover it up. That you just taped people in your office. And if you're fucking Bill Clinton. And you had an intern, which was kind of hot, give you a fucking blowjob in the Oval Office, and you came on her fucking blue dress, then you just admit to that. You know, and if it costs you your 
marriage, then that's between you and your wife, right? I I would personally hope you have a wife who goes like, yeah, she I understand you. She was kind of hot, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's just a blowjob, <laughs> you know. Uh, we're not pure and sincere, you know. Let the man have a let the man have a fucking blowjob. But if the public goes, well, you just had a blowjob. Um, and 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 you have to step down. Then you just step down, right? But I kind of feel the bad thing is not having an intern. Like, okay, I mean, there's a there's a problem with like obviously the power differential and and if he forced her into that. But let's just assume, which is probably unrealistic. But for the sake of this argument, let's assume it was actually consensual. And maybe she was turned on by the power differential. You know, that's what DS is about. Then, you know, that's a whole... That many people are turned on by that kind of thing. So let's just assume she was. And this was all, like, on the level in that respect. My God, you just had a blowjob by a girl. You know. So what? <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like... If make this keeping this a secret is the problem not the actual thing that happened in many many respects and if it is a problem and if you live in a fucking puritan country where everybody would just fucking impeach you because of that and why would he like why would that even be an impeachment right the impeachment would be because he lied about it but like can you impeach a president for having a consensual blowjob in the oval office uh, probably there's probably something in the fucking constitution where that would be like against the view because the US is all religious or whatever. Like, but you know, what I'm the point I'm trying to make here is, um, I generally don't subscribe to the view that there are edge cases where you have to lie to people. A caveat being sometimes in if in some edge cases I understand maybe it's better for them and then but the thing is if we're talking to lying and you know or say or, or like keeping things secret towards the public it's always for like a short amount of time and after like half a year or a year you should come out with this stuff but you know that's not what governments do all this shit especially in the US is like classified for like decades there's still things classified in Russia from World War II like what's the what's the possible thing that could hurt anybody there everybody's literally everybody who's concerned is dead the only thing that could be damaged is the uh, the image or the, the 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 public relations of your state or your government or whatever, and if your government's damaged by something like that you did like fifty years, seventy years ago, maybe there's something wrong with that. That's all I'm saying, you know. And there's stuff like if we go for police work and stuff like that, it's all timing, you know. All of that. I'm un I understand that you need to compete it and keep it under wraps as long as the operation is going on. But after that, you need to fucking and you know you do like in a in a proper if it works correctly in a, in a state under the rule of law. That's what you do when it goes to trial. You open it all up. 
Uh, anyway, Fadi replied, um, fully agree with what you said. I believe, well, what Evgeny said, I believe I'm also in agreement with a fab on principle, but I, what I wanted to point out is that there are always caveats, which, of course, there are always caveats. That's what life's about. Um, otherwise, things will be easy. Uh, from my point of view, the topic relates to how much agency, trust, and independence you assign to, this is a good point, by the way, uh, to people you hide, quote, the truth from, which, you know, as we know, the truth is also subject to discussion and whole episode. Uh, in many cases, it's an indication that you consider them not at the required level to handle the truth, cue the famous Jack Nicholson quote, which for me is a bad sign for governments to be holding of their citizenry. And Yevgeny said, thank you for spelling it out, uh, this out, I fully agree. Um, yeah, I agree actually with that. I, that's what I often feel as well. It's like consenting. Right, and that's what I f I feel is a problem with the government, but often with the press these days, they're like consenting. They're like during the pandemic, they were consenting. They were like, yeah, there are side effects from the vaccine, but we're not reporting on this because we don't want people to know because people are stupid and then they don't take the vaccine, which is anti-democratic, as I pointed out. That's not a healthy view for anybody to have in a democracy. I mean, I hate people like the next person i think people are stupid their people are the the majority of people is extremely dumb like if you're not like me i'm not even considering myself very intelligent you know i felt in university i'm just i just read things but i go out and i talk to people on the street i'm like these people are idiots you know like the people that that deliver amazon packages to me are like the dumbest people and like They're literally the dumbest people in the world. Like they're like, "What's your name?" You know, you take a package for a neighbor, and they're like, "What's your name?" And you spell your name three times, and they still get it wrong. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like you had, you had one job, you have to give this package to somebody, and then you have to write down the name they spell. Like what's? And I'm talking language issues. I'm talking like people being. I don't know if they're absent minded. People are fucking idiots. People are dumb. People are are, are scum. You know. <laughs> But still, that's the world we live in. And, and, and democracy only works if you even give the, the, the dumbest, dumbest person, once they're adult and they're in a society, I have to accept within the given laws, I have to accept them to have from their own opinion. Right? And if they want to, and this is what the press doesn't do, and the, 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 the politicians don't do anymore which is I, I find disgusting and I find extremely dangerous to society so if there is a political party like the AfD in Germany or like the um, like the whatever Brexit like if somebody votes for Brexit in the UK and you are of the opinion Brexit is the dumbest idea ever or like these AfD people are neo-Nazis doesn't matter if the party is there in an election and they're not breaking any laws it doesn't matter what i think of their opinion if somebody thinks you know i have to respect that they vote for them even if i don't agree with them on anything all right i i, I don't have to i don't have to like it i don't have to like them but and i don't even have to respect them as a person really But like on a baseline level in society, I have to ex accept that they are, in Germany we say, a mündige Bürger, a, um, 
doing an adult uh, self. Uh, they think for themselves, right? They are a self-aware uh, person and, and they can do whatever they want within the actual laws. And that's how the rule of law works. And if you don't do that, you're a condescending cunt. I'm sorry. If you're a journalist and you think your job is to explain to people who you think are dumb how the world works and who they should vote for and what they should not do and you know what they need to care about and, and this the environment and that and, and whatever, like I couldn't have less respect for you. Like you're a fucking and and so many of my colleagues are like that. And and, and that is that is the problem. And and the thing that's almost worse is like politicians who are like that because they're in the system. They should know how the fucking system works, right? If the party they're running against isn't outlawed and they're allowed, allowed in the direct, in the election, it doesn't doesn't matter what they're fucking like. They could they could have the most abhorrent views. What you fucking do is you go in parliament and you fucking argue with them. And if you're smarter than than them. And you're right because you have the better arguments and they're idiots. You can just outmaneuver them and just outtalk them. And that doesn't mean that people still won't vote for them, but you can't change that. That is the major problem. Anyway, I stand by my point. I think on a societal level, you know, if we leave out personal um, feelings and emotions and, you know, you can hurt a pe person... I think if we talk about people hold government office and, you know, we're reasonable in timing with the police or any war effort that might be justified. I mean, some wars are. Um, you know, if you'd ask me, was it morally right for the British Armed Forces or the Intelligence Service to keep secret that they cracked Enigma and killed many, 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 many German sailors in the process, I would say, yes, from their point of view, it was completely correct what they did. Um, that doesn't impinge on the UK being a democratic country at that point. But like generally, um, I feel, you know, afterwards you have to be, you have to declassify that. You have to go, this is how we won the war. Um, because the people who supported you in this war, the people who vote for you in elections, they have a right to know. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, if you disagree, private citizen, top press. And with that, I'm going to wrap up the show because I need to get it up before the day's over because I already dated it in the intro. And I need to, I have some stories to write. And after that, I might want to still watch some Critical Role. So I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Um, if you want to support this nonsense and if you think I'm not a complete idiot, uh, I have a Patreon. If you got some money to spare, support the show. Details are uh, on privatism.press. The people who are doing this, who are supporting the show, even though, even through my erratic release schedule with all the things that are going on, I thank them very much. And here's the credits. Showrunner, Sergal Taran, executive producers, 
1i11G Butterbeans Jaroslav Lichtblau Rizal Sandman 616 Supervising Producers Rick Berman no, äh, äh, Avis Bennett Piata Dave I can Jackie Plage Jonathan Jonathan M. Hitai who I'm hopefully visiting in Copenhagen soon Krunkel äh, Michael Malen Jensen who I possibly will also see in Copenhagen which would be amazing haven't seen him in a while thanks for so supporting the show Robert Forster or Robert Forster, Tobias Weber, producers Andrew Davidson, Astro C, Cam, Captain Egghead, David Potter, Dirk Didi, Fanny Mansour, Fl Florian Pigosh, Joe Poser, Mika, Mr. Amish, Rick Bragg, and RJ Tracy, and associate producers D. Jonathan, um, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, no, uh, Jonathan, uh, Johan Sonnen, Kai Sears, Ricky M., Steve Foes, Uh, host Steve Hose and Vlad thanks to all of you thanks for supporting the show you, you're literally making it possible wouldn't do the show without you and I mean that uh, also thanks to Bindmark they uh, bindmark.co.uk they provide the servers and the hosting and the bandwidth for the show wouldn't do the show without them either so thanks to Bindmark that's it wrapping it up the show's theme songs Acoustic Roots by Ru Raul Kabzali Raul, 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 Kabezali. I hope I pronounce ever. If I pronounce this wrong, I've pronounced it wrong for like 152 episodes. That would be bad. Um, and I'm going to play us out on a nice little lo-fi ditty. It's called Sunday, Sunday Coffee, which, you know, I already like the title, uh, by Rebecca Mardal. Mardal? Re Rebecca Mardal. Uh, yeah. And, um, I'll play us out with this, and I'm hopefully going to see you soon. Until then, um, you know, here's here's the motto for the show. And if by any chance you're a journalist, write this down, print it out, put it on the wall behind your monitor, because this is the best two-word, three-word, can't, three-word, can't count. This is the best three-word guideline you could have to be a journalist. Here it comes. Aim to misbehave. Mm -hmm.